Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. Let the financial fun begin. December of 2021, there was a devastating fire in Colorado sparked by a grass fire. Over 1,200 homes burned down, untold damage. And to add insult to injury, many of these homeowners found out that they did not have enough insurance coverage to replace their homes. Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down with insurance expert Eric Whedon. Eric is part of a third generation managing Whedon Agency in Loveland, Colorado. Eric has a number of insurance accolades and also teaches courses to insurance agents across the country. The conversation really is about not just what happened in the Marshall fires, but also how to make sure that you're properly insured. For those of us who are not insurance experts, how do we actually look at our coverage and make sure that we've got the right coverage, the right agent to the right insurance company to make sure our home, probably one of our most valuable assets, is protected? I think you're going to find this very helpful and informative and hopefully something that regardless of where you live in the country, something that will help you evaluate your own insurance coverage. With that, take care and God bless. A lot of questions that come up about homeowners insurance coverage and, and making sure that people, people aren't vulnerable. Uh, but before we get there, I actually want to talk about you a little bit. Let's talk about your background and what can you share with our listeners as far as your uh, the kind of the breadth and the depth of your insurance background. With the Wheaton Agency, it's a family business. This is our 66th year in business in Northern Colorado. My grandfather founded it and came out here on a handshake deal to start selling insurance and real estate at the time. A couple of years later, he bought out the oldest agency in Loveland uh, that goes all the way back to 1915. So it's continuously operated for over 100 years and my family for over 66 at that time. Jumped in that first year, I could barely spell insurance. I mean, <laughs> I have a college uh, background in, in management and computers and music, as little as that helped me with insurance. So I at least understood business, but I did not necessarily have a, a really solid understanding of what insurance was and how it did. I started taking classes. Some of the best ones that I, I, I really believe in are, are the classes put on by the National Alliance for Insurance Education and Research. I earned my certified insurance service representative. Then I later got the elite designation with that. I am a certified insurance counselor, CPIA, I'm working on a risk management designation right now. I teach insurance classes to other agents across the country. And I, I think it really keeps me on my toes because I, you have to stay at a very high level of knowledge and expertise to do this. I think in a lot of cases these days, I think there's this misconception that insurance is just this commodity and you can go buy it online or that you should just go find the cheapest thing that you can get. But then something serious like this, like the Marshall fires happened and then nobody cares about price. It's all about, you know, am I covered, right? Am I actually covered or am I vulnerable? Yeah. The insurance industry as a whole has been really sort of terrible about their marketing. You think about virtually every insurance ad you've ever seen, and almost all of them focus on one thing, and that's saving money or cheap premiums. In reality, the cheapest premium rarely results in having the right coverage or the appropriate coverage, or in most cases, definitely does not result in having the best coverage. I think you want to be, in my opinion, 
the smartest way for someone to shop for insurance is is not is and and I'm not saying this to beat up on any one company, but there's a lot of agents out there that represent one company only, and they learn that company's rules and and programs very well. They, to their credit, they've done a good job with that, but they're really not aware of the big picture out there of the other things available to people, like an independent agency is who represents many many different companies. That does a couple things for the agency and does even more for the consumer. The agency, of course, has to learn to read coverage forms and understand differences between them, that there is more difference than just the bottom line, how much is this? And then for the consumer, it really gives them choices because an independent agency can really dig down and figure out, hey, due to this client's particular needs or exposures, and an exposure could be something like owning a boat or having a rental property, or maybe, you, maybe you've maybe you got an in-home business and things like that, an independent agent is better equipped to understand how to layer coverages properly to make sure that those exposures get taken care of. So I think the first thing I would say is, A, find an independent agent that represents many different companies. The second thing I would advise is to find out what kind of commitment to education does this agency have? Have they earned designations? Now, there are, is some reluctance from agents to show their designations because they're afraid of getting sued. And I, I get that. There's actually advice out there. If you earn a designation, keep your mouth shut about it. Don't tell anyone. I'm of the opinion that I want people to understand when I'm presenting something, and especially if it costs them more money than what they were expecting, There's a reason for it, and I can back it up with facts, policy language, cases, uh, examples of claims that have been paid. And so I think, you know, the second factor, as I said, is is find out what's that commitment to education on that agent's part. For example, you can go get continuing insurance education, and all you spend is three hours learning about what kind of glue is used to apply uh, a new windshield (laughs) on a car. I I think it's vitally important for that glass shop to know that. But I don't understand how that makes an insurance agent any better. If that's where they're getting most of their continuing education, it's probably not an agent that is taking the coverage seriously enough. And they're probably one that is just selling on price. I frequently show people a couple of options. I might show them the less expensive option, but then I show them the better option that provides the better coverage and say, you're going to pay more for this because, and this is why this is a smart idea. I don't force anyone into it, but I at least try to demonstrate the reason for it. If the agent just says, emails you a quote and says, here it is, why'd you get an agent? You could have done that on a website. Or if they just present you apples to apples, that's that's like a it's almost a dirty word in my office. I don't like apples to apples because how do I know that other agent that you came from knew what the heck they were doing? Yeah, I want I want to see what you had, but if there are problems, I'm going to fix them and present that insurance package is the way to go, and not just say, hey, by the way, I did apples to apples, and you still have these problems. Well, you know, that, that doesn't that doesn't inspire confidence in or in the agent. I'd rather fix the problem and demonstrate the fix. And most of the time it's fixing problems is not expensive. But you're you're absolutely right. In today's day and age, having someone that knows insurance, knows the policy contract language, can compare and contrast these different companies with ease. Boy, these are all important things. And no one loves writing their check for insurance, Josh. You, you probably don't like writing that big check every year. I, I understand it. I don't love it either. It's not my favorite bill. I'd rather spend the money on a nice vacation or something. But 
my wife and I both understand that, you know, all the vacations in the world are going to go away if we suddenly get sued and we can't protect ourselves or if we lose our house and fire, we didn't have near enough coverage. All the work that we've done to build our future is gone. And did it matter if I save 500 bucks on my insurance if I didn't have the right coverage? And the answer is, of course not. It doesn't make any sense at all to do that. But our advertising in the insurance world focuses on that. and Many people get caught up in it. Yeah, I think in the case of homeowners insurance, a lot of us just take it for granted, right? Uh, because we don't believe that our house is going to be the one that's going to burn down or get hit by a tornado or something like that. And so let's wow. talk about the Marshall Fire. I, I think you know all these people got up and left for their day uh, to go to work or school or wherever they were going. Uh, and they don't live in the mountains. But uh, Colorado, one of our weather flaws, I think one of our few weather flaws is that we have uh, high winds from time to time. And uh, yeah, just describe what happened in the situation, it, you know, so people can kind of understand uh, really the problem and, and where people got stuck financially. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great story. Uh, I mean, or it's a great question. It's not a great story, unfortunately. I, I like stories that have some happy endings and some mm-hmm. people will, but real tragedy for, for so many people in, in Northern Colorado. December 30th, there was high winds and there's still debate about what started the fire. So I, I can't tell you exactly how it started. There's a lot of possibilities. We may end up finding there were multiple ignition points of this fire, and it might be difficult to figure out which one actually led to the most devastation because they all merged at some point, if, that, if that's indeed the case. But with those high winds and with, of course, current building standards in so many of these neighborhoods where we have near zero lot lines. I mean, it's not uncommon to find houses so close to one another. You you can hardly push a lawnmower between the two houses. So you get a fire burning in one and that wind driving it, it, it spreads from house to house very easily. And the flames were big enough and embers were going enough and there was enough wind that even a, a natural break, which would normally stop a fire like a road, was not adequate to do this. You know, we were not talking about a heavily wooded area or a mountainous area like we've seen in recent Colorado fires. For example, the Cameron Peak Fire. This is a community, two communities, Louisville and Superior. They're they're not thought of as these remote, you know, wooded areas. People sometimes in Colorado think of places like maybe Steamboat or I don't know, Larkspur, Woodland Park, or Conifer as these type of places that have this exposure. But in reality, this is a Denver, Boulder suburb. No one was expecting this kind of loss. The fire crews, they had fire crews from every community within probably three hours of Denver there. They were all sending trucks and people. And, you know, the winds were so bad they couldn't really use like uh, helicopters and aircraft the way they would on some other fires. But there was not much they can do. They were trying to evacuate people. They're trying to save lives. And, and I can't fault the fire professionals. They were in an untenable position there. There's just nothing they could do. So that, that was how it all started. And the results of this became apparent very, very quickly. And, you know, it's a perfect storm. We're not going to blame any one person. There are agents out there that don't know how to stand their ground and, and insist that this is the wrong way to write a policy. There are customers that knowingly insisted on less coverage because they wanted to pay less premium. You know, they gambled, but in their thought process, they they maybe understood the stat that only one in about 300 homes ever experiences a fire, and even fewer than that are complete losses from a fire. So they were gambling that, hey, I'm never going to have a total loss in my house. So if I'm a couple hundred thousand dollars underinsured, it's not going to make a big deal. Well, they found out they were wrong. 
uh, we've seen pressure from lenders. I, I've seen, and there's awesome people in the mortgage business, but I've seen some lenders come to our agency, if it's happening to us and it's happening to others, where they have pressured the agent to get the premium down because with this customer's ratios, they won't close on this loan if, if we can't get the down payment down through the escrow by reducing premium costs. So there's that. There's a lot of other people that didn't ever choose to work with an agent. They did it themselves through an 800 number, through a website. They maybe used a dial a stranger uh, type of shop to get insurance, as I call it, one where you never know who you're going to talk to because they just got call centers across the country. And you don't know if they have a clue about the actual realities of insurance in this community. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be bad at it, but I think the chances for problems definitely increase when, when you don't have an agent that you can sit down and talk to. Insurance agents are not trained in actual reconstruction appraisals. I cannot swear to any person that I know it would cost $500,000 to rebuild this home, a million dollars to rebuild this home. I can give you a good estimate, but when the insurance company gives you that estimate, my next piece of advice is to say, look, this is a bare minimum at which the company will agree to insure this property. Were it me in your shoes, I would select a higher number than what they're recommending, which you're absolutely free to do. Sometimes people are not aware when they get that replacement cost estimate that they're allowed to say, yeah, it's great, but I th- I would feel a lot better at night with 600000 not four 500000 on my home. Wonderful. That agent should accommodate that request very easily, and almost every company does that. So the numbers as they've come out from these reports are showing anywhere between 60 and 70% of the homes insured were not insured adequately. That is a stunning number when we're talking about 12, just under 1,200 homes that were total losses in that fire. There was even more that experienced heat or smoke or partial fire damage, but there were almost 1,200 homes that were total losses and to understand as many as seven out of 10 didn't have adequate insurance. It's unbelievable. And yeah. I mean, as horrible as that experience must have been for all these people and they lost probably everything. And then they find out from their insurance company that it's not going to be enough to replace the home. Yeah. It's devastating. I really think the next step after you make sure you have a good agent and you've selected good coverage based on that replacement cost estimate. And if you know a contractor, get an opinion from them as well, because they may tell you something that the replacement cost software doesn't tell you. Hey, that was would have been true six months ago, but we know it's actually way worse than that right now. It doesn't hurt if you have that kind of contact to leverage that and just sort of make sure you're doing it. If you've got a high enough value home, some of those companies will come out and do on-site inspections as well. But unfortunately, it's a business, and so they don't just provide that service to every customer. I wish that were done because, my goodness, then that would make me sleep at night a lot better. <laughs> But unfortunately, it's just not the case. But yeah, if you've got a million dollar home, there's a good chance that that insurance company is going to come out and inspect it in person and tell you, hey, we agree this is enough insurance or you don't have enough insurance based on what we're seeing here. We need to make that change. If you get that kind of letter, you need to listen to it. You can't ignore that. So 
really important. Yeah. And this is unusual time, I think. And we talked to a lot of our clients and, uh, and listeners on a day-to-day basis. And after this happened, a lot of people are wondering, okay, well, what does this mean for me? And how do I make sure that I've got the right amount of coverage? And you've spoken to that a little bit, but how often should be people checking their coverage right now? We're seeing, uh, you know, building costs are going way, way up and house values have really been skyrocketing. So overall, really what should be people doing? You want to look at the kind of coverage you have on your home. When we talk about home coverage, let's just use a fictional number. I don't know anyone that has a $100,000 home, but I'm going to keep the math simple, okay? (laughs) So let's just pretend you have a $100,000 home. Most companies, you know, you write the house for $100,000. They know that there might be fluctuation and variances in, in labor and materials cost if they ever have to rebuild that home. So there's a couple of things that happen. Number one, those companies are going to apply an inflation adjustment to your policy year after year after year. Traditionally around here in Colorado, we've seen it anywhere between four and six percent. Renewals I'm seeing this year are coming in at about 11 to 13 percent increased coverage. That's sort of important because your coverage is designed to increase over time with you. The endorsements you want to look at on your policy, you want to find out, does your policy have guaranteed replacement cost, GRC? Or does it have extended replacement costs? They're not the same. Agents out there that don't have the knowledge will present them as the same. They are not the same. So in an ideal world, you buy a policy to the full replacement value and you get guaranteed replacement cost on your home. If you can do that, you're in really good shape. Uh, You're never going to run out of coverage because as a guarantee, they'll rebuild your home. That means it's uncapped. So if we make it illegal to cut down a tree tomorrow <laughs> and, <laughs> and suddenly building costs increase fivefold, tenfold, that customer with guaranteed replacement cost on the home is, can still sleep at night. They've got enough coverage. As long as you have to tell the insurance company anytime you make meaningful changes to your house that would increase the cost to rebuild your house by more than $5,000 is typically the cutoff. You have to look at your own policy language. You know for sure most of these endorsements say 5,000. So for example, you replace old carpet with new carpet. No one cares. You don't have to tell anyone about that. You replace the door hand. No one cares. It's not a big deal. But you take an unfinished basement and suddenly you've got a home theater system and extra bedrooms and a wet bar. And Oh, you better tell them about that. You add on to the home. You add that sunroom on. You invest in solar panels and put those on top of your house. You need to know about that. And the company needs to be allowed to change the coverage amount at that point so that you don't run out of coverage. So that's that's the ideal situation. The less than ideal situation, and unfortunately, it is the most common situation, is extended replacement cost, sometimes called a dwelling extension. But this gives you a percentage above and beyond the 100000 using our fictional number here. So they may say, we pay... 20% beyond whatever coverage you have on the home. So do the math. That's an extra $20,000 to account for variances in building labor and materials. Uh, I'll tell you, 20% isn't enough. And there's a couple of companies out there that's all they offer is a 20% extension. If you have that, find another option because it's just not adequate under, under today's volatile market. 20% is nothing. I'm going to tell you, if you have the extended dwelling option, better take a minimum of a 50% extension and several companies out there will offer a full 100% extension. 
So that $100,000 then would be $200,000 if you had the 100% dwelling extension. None of these options are as good as guaranteed replacement cost, but because not every company offers it, look for one that offers a minimum of 50% and preferably 100% dwelling extension. It's a really important thing to know about. I really believe like in most things, some preparation will really help you in the long run. It's tough for you to go through and write down a list of everything you have. You're going to get writer's cramp. Wouldn't it be nicer if you just had a quick videotape of your shed and you can itemize that, a quick videotape of your basement, uh, whatever it happens to be. It's just going to make your life a lot easier in the long run. With almost 1,200 homes in the Marshall Fire, most of them are not going to be back in their homes in six months, eight months. It might take them a year, two years. So what does additional living expense or loss of use pay for? It pays for those additional costs above and beyond what your normal expenses are. So you can rent a new hall or stay in a hotel room temporarily. In the short term, you're going to have extra costs because you're not going to have a kitchen to cook in. So you're eating out every meal instead of having stuff at home. It can involve boarding your pets. There's all sorts of things that might be involved in additional living expense. And so having a policy that pays for a minimum of two years of those expenses, really, really important for you to have. Insurance is regulated for homes and cars and things like that at the state level. What's true in one state may not be true in another state. So this is where having uh, someone that understands your local laws is also important. But many people only selected a 12-month additional living expense option on their homes for these that were victims of these Marshall fires. And they're going to find out in a hurry how expensive it is to continue paying the mortgage on your home that's gone because your bank still expects to get paid. And there's a lot of uh, misconceptions that, you know, you just get their insurance company is going to give you a check for if your house insured at $500,000, they just write you a check for $500,000. Definitely not the way that's going to work. But an independent agent usually will be able to guide you through that and say, yeah, these companies are offering it if you do this, this and this. So worth knowing about. Yeah, super helpful stuff. Thanks for sharing your expertise. How can people find you, Eric? Our agency is right here in Loveland, Colorado. Physical address, 1601 East Eisenhower Boulevard. You can, of course, reach us by phone at 970-667-2145. Or if you want to email me directly, you've got a question or you just want to run something by me, I'm happy to give your listeners some free advice and some free counseling even if I'm not writing their policy, it's not a condition of my help. You can email me and my email is pretty simple. It's eric, E-R-I-C at whedonagency.com. That's W-E-E-D-I-N. And then the word agency spelled out.com. So whedonagency.com. And I'd be glad to give you that time. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, John. Yep, take care. Appreciate you. Yep. Bye. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Keystone Financial Services and Eric Whedon are separate and non-affiliated parties. Keystone does not endorse or receive compensation from Whedon Agency, Inc. The views expressed represent the opinions of Eric Whedon. The views are subject to change. This material is for informational purposes only.